welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Lorenz Calcagno, who is the treasurer of Guelph Cycling Club, the president of the Guelph Off-Road Bicycling Association, and a spokesperson for the Guelph portion of the G2G Rail Trail. He's a bike guy, in other words, and he's hardly alone in Guelph. There's been a lot of discussion around the council table lately about the future of cycling in town and whether or not staff and council are serious enough about taking on the challenge to improve it, and some of that debate has centered around the G2G trail. Now, while the trail is 99% complete, the other 1% of the portion that's incomplete is exclusively in that second G in the trail's name, Guelph. So what's the problem here? Answering that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. First, while the second G is for Guelph, the first G in the G2G rail trail is for Goderich. This 132-kilometer trail runs a course from downtown Guelph to the shores of Lake Huron, and it passes through all kinds of small communities along the way, including Blythe, Milverton, Millbank, and Elmira. It follows an old rail line, which is appealing for people looking to enjoy a nice relaxing ride because it's mostly flat the whole way. And it's also appealing for more than just a nice steady bike ride, like hiking or walking, things like that. Volunteers who manage and promote the G2G call it a, quote, natural, historical, and culturally significant conservation corridor that supports community, recreation, and active transportation, promotes health and well-being, and brings awareness to rural agricultural heritage and the environment, unquote. At least until you get to Guelph. If you access the trail map, you will note that much of the Guelph end is colored in a dark yellow when the vast majority of the rest of the trail is colored green. Why? Well, that's the question. Leaving downtown and heading north, you're golden, at least until you get to Speedvale. Poor wayfinding and a lack of off-road links plus heavy traffic in this part of Guelph are dissuasive to many people that want to start their G2G journey in that second G, and so they end up starting their trip in another Guelph. Guelph Aramosa Township, just north of Woodlawn on Silver Creek Parkway. This is why three different cycling advocates came to City Council last week using the presentation of the future Guelph strategic plan to push for the completion of the Guelph end of the rail trail. Amidst all the capital infrastructure work approved by Council year over year, why does it seem to be so hard to invest a couple of million dollars and complete those last three kilometers of a potential tourism draw to the area? That's one of the questions we're going to try and answer on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast. To help us, we're joined by Lorenz Calcagno, who's been living and breathing this stuff for a long time, and he's going to tell us about the history of the G2G Rail Trail, why it's so appealing to recreational cyclists, and what kind of expectations we should have about the impacts of completing that trail on our local tourism picture. We will also talk about what improvements the Guelph section needs, why it's so hard to get Guelph Council and staff to commit to finishing it, and whether there are resources outside City Hall that can help us get the job done. And finally, we will talk about the cycling network gaps inside Guelph, the benefits of promoting cycling tourism, and whether we might be falling behind our surrounding communities to take advantage. So with that, I caught up with Lorenz Calcagno last week via Zoom. Okay, Lorenz Calcago, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, let's start, well, I was going to say let's start at the beginning. Maybe we don't have to go that far back, but just in terms of, you know, the the Guelph to Goderich Trail, um, when did that come about? How long has that been a, a thing? Well, it, it's been an evolution for sure. I mean, it used to be a you know, a, a going concern, uh, a rail system. Um, you know, originally, I think 1884 was the first time they started looking at it. And it, uh, it yeah, by the time they actually uh, started work on it, I think it was 1903. And I think four years later, the thing was completed. Um, <laughs> and it ran quite successfully up into the 50s. Uh, and then I think, you know, as uh, rail traffic uh, was surpassed by transport trucks, et cetera. Um, it dropped off and uh, eventually the it was decommissioned um, 
in I think 1998 uh, was taken over by the regional municipality of Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it became the more, more importantly, it became the um, rail trail in uh, well. It, it, there's an evolution. The Kissing Bridge Trail system uh, sort of started up in about 1998, uh, mm-hmm. when a piece of land was um, after the rails had been ripped up uh, in the early 90s. Um, the uh, I believe the regional municipality of Waterloo leased it, 45 mm-hmm. kilometers of it, um, as a recreational rail trail, and the Kissing Bridge Rail Trail ran from Millbank to just the edge of Guelph. Uh, just near okay. Harris. So, uh, and it was lengthened in 2013. Um, and then all of the existing and, and previous rail trail system uh, all the way to uh, Godrich was taken over and sort of consumed into one system in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's bits and pieces and eventually it becomes this thing called the Guelph to Godrich Trail. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, these old rail so railed systems have become defunct, and tracks are ripped up, and sections get used for different um, purposes. Pieces get sold off. Farmers take back pieces, um, etc. But the connectivity between the communities uh, is really uh, incredible for um, you know alternative transportation: hiking, uh, walking, cycling, um, running. A lot of people use them, uh, and you'll see them all over Canada and the U.S. being used um, for non-vehicle or non-motorized vehicle transportation. I was going to ask if the rails are still there, but you've answered that, so uh, I'll uh, move on to the next thing. <laughs> well, actually, it's a, that's a, a very interesting point because oh, okay. the rails are only there on this system. Okay, that's what makes Guelph unique. The rails were ripped up from the edge of Guelph to Godrich. Uh, and that is a, a very, um, I guess, easy way to make a trail system when you don't have the rails. Inside Guelph, we still have the rails. So our trail is pretty much adjacent to the rail uh, all the way into Guelph. Um, and we've got a few sections that are pretty circuitous, difficult to follow, um, mm-hmm. uh, and they become problematic. And, and our goal is to try and make a straight line connection uh, through Guelph, adjacent to the rail, all the way as it is uh, in some sections. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you got there because that that was sort of like my next question. Here is that in in an ideal world where the trail is complete, it's the, the Guelph end of it starts downtown and then heads north, and then you join up with the other sections of it. But for right now, um. Let's let's put it this way. In terms of like that ideal world, what does the trail look like when you start in Guelph? Right. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, There's a few ways to look at it. The rails, you know, I think everyone is pretty uh, well versed that trains don't like to go up hills. So uh, (laughs) it's pretty it's pretty level um, and uh, straight as you know, they don't make sharp turns. Um, So rail trails are are really good for uh, getting places fairly easily. So um, we have uh, on the board of directors of uh, the G2G originally uh, was a disabled um, a person who uh, rode a hand cycle. They actually were a cyclist and uh, I think a fairly serious athlete. And they were training up in Huron County and were struck by a vehicle, uh, which left them disabled in a wheelchair. But that didn't deter them. They uh, trained in, uh, in for the Paralympics and um, trained with a hand cycle. Now, rail trails are great for that because they, like I said, they don't have hills or great deviation in terrain or uh, obstacles, etc. So a straight line uh, level um, uh, pathway adjacent the railway tracks through Guelph is the ideal um, uh, pathway that we're looking for. Now, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, is that going to happen exactly like that? Uh, no, but that's the ideal. And any deviation from that sort of has to keep in mind um, all users. Uh, so people who are 
para athletes um, aren't met with obstacles that make the, the their uh, travel difficult. Mm-hmm. So the Guelph portion, and you can correct any of these details if I get them wrong, but as sure. it stands right now, it's the the trail that goes along. I guess runs parallel to the tracks through downtown and then heading uh, northward, like dip down behind like the Guelph Youth Music Center. That's sort of like the initial portion of exactly. the hard version of the trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was built uh, in the early 2000s as the Trans Canada Trail. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our work is sort of um, piggybacked on what has been done there. So the G2G and the TCT are synonymous through this section of Guelph. And it's interesting to note that uh, the TCT folks are also um, on this bandwagon with us to complete the trail because uh, if this is the only uh, section of the TCT in Ontario that isn't complete. So right. it's uh, the Guelph section of the TCT is a spur line that connects to the whole Trans-Canada Trail, um, and it's missing that three kilometers that we're trying to complete as well. And th- those three kilometers are running kind of parallel to Woodlawn Road, like just north of Woodlawn. Is do I do I have that right? Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if if you ever get a chance to look at a map, I mean, right now that paved section, as you know, is the TCT from behind the River Run up past the uh, Youth Music Center and uh, carrying on beside the tracks, the the asphalt uh, separated by a nice little tubular uh, galvanized um, uh, fencing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not even fencing. It's, it's just a, a modest separator that's it's uh, not unattractive. Um, <laughs> it ends at speed bail at that point. And after that, you're sort of um, asked to follow a circuitous route to continue basically up to the kissing bridge off of uh, not adjacent to the railway tracks. So mm. we are hoping to continue adjacent to the railway tracks all along. And it's only it's only about three kilometers if you follow the rail tracks. So that would ideally run beside and behind Home Depot uh, and from North uh, Woodlawn and just follow those railway tracks all the way to Silver Creek. And uh, if if you are familiar with that area now, the railway tracks that go behind um, Home Depot and, and continue in that direction they come to something called a bump stop, only uh, not even a kilometer from Silver Creek, basically where the railway tracks end. And right. they have a, a device there that they bump the, tr- uh, the rail cars against and they stop. And that's where the tracks end. And um, <clears throat> all of that land uh, north, uh, what's called the junction, where the two sets of railway tracks cross, um, mm-hmm because there's a set of tracks that come up from Edinburgh that meet at an intersection with the tracks we just described. Right. Um, from there on out is outside of the city of Guelph, however, leased from the county and under the responsibility of the Guelph Junction Railway. So, right. and there, there's a, a quite a wide swath of land. It's from that point up, it's a hundred feet wide. So we mm-hmm. have a lot of land to work with um, and we've been told it's very doable. Um, this uh, Guelph Junction Railroad has explicitly said that when they are going to do some work up there, they'll make room for a path for us. Um, our biggest hurdle is just time. It's it's when. Um, right. Uh, there has been no dates uh, sort of agreed to when that will happen. Right. And this is kind of where there's kind of this cluster of like competing interests that there is. Uh, obviously the trail and people are interested in using the trail there's the city of guelph which um i guess would kind of be in charge of that work the land is owned by guelph junction railway yeah and then the land around it is i guess guelph aramosa <laughs> yes it's, it's, it is guelph aramosa but the land is leased by guelph junction railway and and therefore the city of guelph so we control it um, right but it's also, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting to talk about, you know, what's necessary to make this completion. Um, it's pretty much just political will. The right. If you really think of uh, everybody from the county, from Wellington at Silver Creek, all the way to Godridge has done their job. Right. They finished their sections. It's all good. 
they've all agreed, they've all pitched in. Um, and the G2G has, is a nonprofit organization, charitable, and they fundraised and we spent uh, just over, uh, I think that the figure at the time was about $253,000 to actually fix a, a major section of the rail bed out towards Millbank. I don't know if you're, if anybody's listening who knows from the old days, it was a rutted old mess. Uh, and so an entire new trail bed, rail bed was put in there, but an entire resurfacing happened in 2020, uh, all for around $250,000. Um, so, you know, uh, pretty modest by, you know, uh, for a bunch of uh, volunteers to sort of come together and, and pay to have that done. Um, and for the remaining three kilometers that are kind of in the way of completing that all of that work to getting into downtown when you start analyzing what's what the what we're missing out on what the city of guelph is not capturing by not having that connectivity um and when you look at and compare to other rail trails uh, around uh, other jurisdictions it's it's quite uh it it, it, it <laughs> There's a lot to be gained by having the G to G start in Guelph. And um, when you think of the cost to complete those, uh, that small section of missing trail, um, the money will be made back in no time. Uh, and uh, it's almost, you'd be uh, a, just derelict of duty to actually not do it when you find out the kind of dollars that are on the line. Well, let me just ask the question then. Do, do, is there a price tag? Like, do you know how much to, it would cost to finish that three kilometer stretch? Yeah, um, it's, it's well, if the G2G did it, <laughs> mm -hmm. if we did it ourselves, it would be about $2,000 a kilometer of resurfacing. Now, there's going to be more than that at stake. Um, the GJR has a customer in a big section of it that they say they're going to do work. So they're going to move railway tracks. So they're mm -hmm. already on the hook for that. Um, the cost of that, I'm not sure. Um, we kind of jokingly talk about it in terms of other um, recreational infrastructure. We think we it can be done for the price of like one or two soccer fields. If you if you know to put it in some terms, if soccer fields cost, I believe minimal, it's like eight hundred thousand dollars to do a soccer field. Uh, mm -hmm. sort of complete an entire soccer uh, facility um tennis courts i've been told are like three hundred thousand. so mm -hmm. we can resurface the entire 147 i think kilometers is what we did for two hundred fifty thousand. i think there's a good bang for the buck for us to do it um cities we know always pay a little bit more um but the return on investment is huge so uh it really doesn't matter um uh, how much it costs, believe it or not, the money will be made back. Um, but we don't think it's <clears throat> just putting down a, a you know, a, a three meter wide rail bed uh, with stone dust surface is not expensive. It's it's not uh, a, a huge undertaking. It's not it's, it's you know, it's the third of the cost of a road. So mm -hmm. it's it's quite easy to do, actually. OK, well, given the easiness, I mean, wh why are we lagging? so hard i mean is it because of that gjr issue that you know there's a, a a paying client who wants to you know fiddle with the alignment of the tracks or or move the tracks or you know is is it sheer lack of of will like what why why is this so hard <laughs> um well i guess the answer is it's not hard it <laughs> is a sheer lack of will okay. the we are bumping up against um Base, uh, I mean, it's we keep coming at this from a whole bunch of different angles, from a revenue angle, a rep, a recreational angle, uh, active transportation angle. And no matter which department we talk to, they all say, yes, this is a good idea, but no one's going to do it. So we've it, which is hi historically odd because this project was originally identified in 2005 with mm -hmm. the. Guelph Trails Master Plan that was released then, and it was a uh, priority project that was supposed to be completed in 2010. So identified in 2005, 
with an interim uh, um, sort of route up, uh, continuing up the hydro corridor from uh, Edinburgh. And that section was supposed to be completed in 2010. The mm-hmm. uh, route behind Home Depot adjacent to the railway tracks, uh, that was identified to be completed in 2021. Now, the Guelph Trails Master Plan was updated in 2022, mm-hmm. and we had worked with the city, and the city has identified this project as number one priority. And they've just released their budget, or they're in the process of putting, the Parks Department is in the process of putting their budget together for this coming fall, mm-hmm. and they have left it out explicitly identifying it as they don't want to do it so and and we keep asking them why don't they want to do it and they were citing for the longest time it was too complex and Mm -hmm. uh they said there's three landowners that they'd have to talk to um and and which is strange because we have agreements landowner agreements legal agreements with uh over uh 20 in the g uh, currently with G2G, uh, those are legal agreements. We have over 60 uh, curated handshake agreements uh, to, to put this whole thing together. So for a city to say that it's complex because there might be two or three landowner agreements, uh, it doesn't make sense to us. So um, I don't have an answer for you why it's not done. Um, we're as baffled as everyone because it makes so much sense to do it on so many different levels. Um, so why the, uh, the the Parks and Trails Department does not want to do it, um, it makes no sense. The last bit of glimmer of hope we got from them was they said they will do a feasibility study uh, in, mm-hmm. t- in the next budget cycle, which would be 2027, I believe. Is that right? 20, uh, we're 2023, four years. Yeah, so, 2024 to 2027 is the next budget. And then the next one after that will be the next four years, 27. Right. So they say in 20, uh, they'll, well, anyways, regardless, <laughs> it's a, a feasibility study, which makes, once again, makes no sense to us because it's already been identified as a priority um, and it's already in place uh, across, you know, all the way to Gondrich. So uh, it's very, I don't know what feasibility they'd be looking at. Um, and it's in jurisdictions all over Canada and the United States and in Europe as well. So uh, pretty feasible. Um, I mean, I don't want to assign sort of like malice of thought to to anyone. But I mean, it's been, in, as you say, the, the plan for so long. I mean, it, it almost feels like they're just not doing it for reasons, right? It, it feels like we're going out of our way not to do it almost. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, maybe it feels like it. I mean, we can't identify it. I mean, it, it put it, it's a, um, uh, it feels like Lucy in the football. Yeah. Uh, we keep coming up with a new solution for the next problem they put in the way. And, uh, and then it's like, oh yeah, well, if only we have this and then we give them that. And it's like, then they pull the football away again. So it's a moving target all the time. Um, uh, but there, the, the statement of not doing it gets more emphatic each time. So, but with no real reason. So I I don't know what to tell you. Um, (laughs) There's, there's certainly no, um, uh, we haven't met with any um, citizens or citizen groups that are against it. Um, When you, when you look at the economic impact data, we jokingly say, if you love cycling, this is good for you. If you hate cycling, this is good for getting those damn cyclists off your roads, if that's right. your view. And if you, <laughs> and, you know, and if you, um, and if you really, really hate cyclists and want to get them off your roads and take their money, this is great too because you'll take their money because they're spending. You're bringing more cyclists to the area, and they will spend it in your downtown, in your accommodations, your restaurants, etc. So um, we're not sure who this isn't good for. Um, you know, it was uh, I had a, a question from uh, a counselor the other day about, you know, this is, you know, they have concerns uh, about new Canadians or um, uh, low income citizens. How does this affect them? And I mean, I, I was surprised by it because all I can think of is 
the councillor hasn't been out to our parks and our trails lately because the new Canadians are are well represented in our parks and trails. Uh, and the amount of income you need to use a trail is nothing. Uh, a pair yeah. of shoes. <laughs> and I see people without shoes on these trails many times. So um, the barrier of entry is about as low as you can get. Um, and the more connectivity we have, uh, the more we put people on alternate transportation. I mean, it's the, we all talk about it, but here it is, the rubber's meeting the road, and it's still not, you know, it, it, it's a, a strange barrier to overcome that we can't get staff to take it up. So uh, we, we gave a, uh, I think you were aware, we gave the um, presentation to uh, the future Guelph um, mm -hmm. uh, master plan that yep. came forward. And the point of that master plan was about talking about the next budget cycle and, and informing it um, from a holistic point of view, gathering all the master plans uh, and touching on all the, you know, what some of us like to call silos um, and, and getting them to work together. Well, that's kind of what we see as maybe some of the problem is right. if one area one one department doesn't see this as it's not their baby you know it's like we talk to tourism and they go this this sounds great um you know i sat down with john regan the uh um head of economic development several times in the last couple of years and he loved it he loved the numbers he said this is great i'll show it to the other departments and that but he he came short of saying well we'll push them to do it because that's not his domain that's someone else's domain to do the work uh so you know and I feel compelled to point out. Sorry, I just I feel compelled to point out too. John Regan isn't in that position anymore. Exactly. So now, so the, <laughs> all of that work is lost. Right. <laughs> so and we've sat down with Alex, uh, who's also now in tourism, and she's great, and she loves the idea. Um, and but explicitly points out that she doesn't build trails. So mm -hmm. she says she can promote it and and piece it together and and talk about it from that. But to actually. Um, help us move the needle on this project and move it forward that's not within her mandate so uh that's yep. kind of you know there's no chance we're looking for the champions inside city hall to uh try to gather all the players together to make this work i think we may have inadvertently tied a couple of things together here because i do remember it was councillor busatil who was talking about um how you know the G to G might impact, you know, people, new Canadians, people with limited means and things. And I think being one of her constituents in Ward 4 here is one of the things she was getting at is that when it comes to trail connectivity here in the West End, it's like really, really poor. Like, you know, if you want to travel even north, north end of the ward to the south end of the ward, you know, there's a big, huge fence line that goes from Alma Street to the end of town. There's just there's no trail connectivity at all. And I'm wondering, you know, is there a mindset among some people? It's like, yeah, this G to G trail sounds great. And yeah, it can theoretically bring people into town, into the core. And then there's this political thing, too, that's like, well, if we do that, we're adding great new great amenities that take people into the core of our town. Meanwhile, people in the West End can't go north and south. Like, is it, you know, sure. this kind of inadvertent, like, I don't want to call it a pissing contest because obviously a co trail connectivity in our end of town is right, important, right. but you know, it, no, no. We, we do kind of pit different parts of town against each other at times. It feels no, ex exactly. Um, it's funny when the G to G was um, in, in its infancy, this section of the G to G was called downtown access. Right. And I actually lobbied uh, the original executive director to change the name. I said, because there's politics, you know, a lot of the folks who sat on the board with G2G, there were no one, uh, no one on the board was from Guelph. So mm -hmm. I was the lone person advocating for understanding the local climate. And I said, you've got to understand that um, different sections of our town might, you know, have a history with um pitting one neighborhood or one section of town against another so they said well okay if we don't call it downtown access what about why don't we just call it the junction and i went well hang on <laughs> we have a neighborhood <laughs> called the junction yeah i said it's got to have guelph in the name it's about guelph uh one of the things we wanted to call it was the gateway 
because it is the gateway to the Golden Horseshoe. Um, mm. But going back to uh, 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 Councillor Bustill's uh, comments, I agree. I mean, it's funny. It's not, these things aren't about competing things. We, um, sorry to maybe go back to the John Fisher well, but the <laughs> 12th uh, Hiking Trail Club um, is the only um, advocate that has moved the connectivity of Ward 4 into the city in in the last 50 years uh mm -hmm. they worked um their you know volunteers have built a trail under the hamlin uh over to um i guess uh near imperial uh to try and make that connectivity happen um that connectivity is in the 2005 trails master plan mm -hmm. that city staff are, are, were supposed to finish and haven't done so um Councillors' uh, concerns are are well founded, um, but let's absolutely let's not pit one project against another. Let's get them all, and let's. I think that message really is about if we sit down and make master plans and put a lot of effort in them, because we I was there and put input into the 2005, and mm. watched as nearly 20 years went by and we didn't execute anything in it, and then mm. we redo it for four years. And now mm -hmm. we're not even executing the number one item in it. So right. um, it's hard to sit down in uh, with this, you know, any of our master plans, if they don't translate to real work being done, shovels going in the ground and projects being completed right. and talking about money here, money there, because they've basically all been approved because the master plan is approved. Um, and now it's just making sure staff do the projects in the order that they were set apart. So uh, Ward 4 connectivity was on the books and is on the books and should be done, absolutely. But it's kind of like, you know, if we start looking at crazy pricing and crazy things that are getting done, um, you know, we can save money across the board and put it into different things. But doing it piecemeal is not the way to do it and, and not to shut right. one thing down and do another. So right now, the, this connectivity, the completing the G to G is priority number one. Uh, connecting Ward Four absolutely is still on the list, and it should be done. Um, and like I said, the trail user groups are the only people who've done it. City staff haven't made any gains in that department at all. So right. I would ask Councillor Bustill to you know take that up with staff. Um, <laughs> and we're behind it. We want that connectivity. We we want all the uh, neighborhoods to be connected by off road multi-use paths that uh, connect to, to a spine network that, you know, when someone comes uh, from Ward 4 or 5 and wants to go up to Elmira or to wherever, they don't have to cross a busy road to do it. Yeah. I want to talk about the stakes a bit, just in terms of, you know, this has come up a lot at Council in the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, as we're sort of looking at uh, exploiting outdoor activities um, ab about the, the potentiality of cycling tourism. Is there like Let's start with putting a number on it. Is there like a number like we hear about different areas like such and such festival is worth like such and such amount of money? Um, is, is there a number um, that we can put on, you know, cycling tourism, even if it's just like Ontario wide? You know, what what is that? What is that worth? And what, like how big of a pie might we be missing out on? Um, I think the estimates right now I have. So I, I think it's. With the current users of the Guelph to Godrich Rail Trail, with this missing section, so the numbers that are the numbers of users that are being measured uh, along the trail elsewhere, um, if you extrapolate that back using the formulas that are used by the province and the feds um, for tourism, uh, that number is about 1.4 million a year is what we're currently missing out on. So that's mm -hmm. that's gross. That's spending dollars. Um, so it's not um, it's it's not uh, to be taken lightly. <laughs> um, uh, and and it's it's funny. It's not. It, it's also good to keep in mind when you're, we're looking at economic impact is uh, a, a recreational use. I mean, I think staff's job is to make our city a livable place. And the right. better job they do, the better it is and the more we enjoy it. 
Um, so there's certain things that just cost us. So, you know, building our sports fields and all that, we don't expect a return on investment on those things. We certainly mm-hmm. get people coming and attending uh, tournaments and, uh, you know, things like that. And and there are costs. There's money to be made on that. And and dollar values can be put on those things. Uh, uh, there's so much, you know, uh, a day user uh, coming into town on a on a bicycle path is worth about $72, I believe. Um, mm. No, sorry. A local day. I actually have these numbers. Local day users, $18. A non-local day user is $30. And an mm-hmm. overnight visitor is $240. So that's what the province uses as estimating. Um, they've, they've got some other things. It's interesting. Cycle tourism is a higher number than non-cycle tourism. So if you were arriving to visit friends or go to the whatever tournament or, or whatever, if you came in your car, um, your amount of money spent would be less than if you came by bicycle. So, hmm. uh, and that's, I'm trying to remember, that's from the province as well. I'm trying to remember the name of the study. Here it is. It's tour by bike, cycling spending breakdown. Uh, and it's, it's in some areas we do better retail. Um, cycling is higher. It's like 13.5%, whereas non-cycling is 123 Um Recreational entertainment is lower, but accommodation is higher. It's 21.3% versus 16.5%. Um, uh, food and beverage is almost identical. Uh, mm. And then transportation. Uh, if you don't come by bicycle, uh, actually, transportation costs go up. So cycling mm. doesn't spend as much on transportation, but they spend more on food and accommodation, which I think is gets pretty intuitive. So right. um, they're worth, I'm trying to think, cycle tourists... It says this study says cycle tourists are best $255 per trip versus about $171 per trip for a regular tourist. The other thing is they come in higher numbers, groups of three or more. Mm-hmm. So cyclists are likely to come with more people than regular tourists. So mm-hmm. that puts some numbers to things. Um, there's also some other, uh, I've got way too many numbers for these things. Uh, <laughs> So total annual increase in revenue, here you go, generated in Guelph with a completed G2G connector. And this is uh, calculated by multiplying user numbers by user spending. So there's something called non-durable items. So that's, uh, you know, I guess, uh, food and accommodations, 877,000. And durable retail goods is about half a million, 554,000. So a total of mm-hmm. 1.3 and change. So that's what we're currently missing out on. But what happens is, if that would be like on day one, if everyone, once you completed it and they started here in Guelph instead of out at Silver Creek, right. that's the number you can expect. But what happens is uh, you get this snowball effect of this is, you know, the experience of starting in Guelph increases the number of users. I can, you can imagine, you know, starting on, on the, in the, in a rural corner with no amenities versus starting in a, a fully fledged operating city um right it's far more attractive uh and you can you've got a real place to park a real place to uh you know get out of the train station if you're coming from toronto wanting to do that that opens up a whole other aspect to this um the uh, accommodations the restaurants is you know it's a, a much bigger more attractive package than starting on the side of the road at silver creek so mm-hmm. the number of users goes up after that. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. It it kind of there's nowhere to go but up, right? Because sort of once it's established and people see what it can offer, I mean those are kind of those are kind of soft figures to start out with, right? Absolutely, and and it's you know, and it's not speculation. That's the funny thing. It's not like we're. Mm-hmm introducing something no one's ever seen before and well we hope this works it's you know um the first people who ever did something and you know they <laughs> they knew it was going to take off and no one believed them and they right. had to fight <laughs> to get it going these things are everywhere and mm-hmm. they're doing well there's no uh there's no bad news story there's and and they've been doing well for so long that there's actual economic impact studies been done on them and um, and we have them and we've submitted them. Like I said, we submitted them to economic development at the city and they've had a chance to look at them. Um, and, the, you know, 
these they're very interesting because you can you can extrapolate numbers because they a lot of these rail trails elsewhere have a length and we know what our length is and so we can say that one is 90 percent of ours so we'll take 90 percent of the numbers or something like that or right you know uh and 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 so on and the return on investment on these things is phenomenal um they're saying average return on investment is seven to one so every mm-hmm. dollar invested into your your system you get seven dollars back and when i read that i was like i really had to dig in and, and sort of looking at all these economic impact statements to sort of see if that just seems too good i mean yeah you know credit card is 1.3 and we think that's criminal <laughs> you know that's what they're making uh you know uh people are making if you make 1.5 uh, or 1.05 on your you know your long-term savings you're happy if you yeah. you know if you make 1.1 on your mutual funds you're really happy these things are if you make you know if someone gambles and doubles their money that's 2.0 these guys are 7.0 like it's uh i think it's in michigan there's a, a couple of rail systems there where they actually state that they can't spend enough money the the return on their investment is so good they're in putting in millions of dollars in bridges and in they're fully paving them now because their mm. use is so good and and the um the uh, uptake of user is so high that to, to make yours more attractive than someone else to attract the tourism um is it pays for itself so uh and i think the trans canada trailway uh put out that uh strictly from a tax an hst point of view the amount of money you bring in um if you take if you say you're only spending whatever it costs to do the uh the features you're looking at um you'll pay for them within four years just in the hst alone so the amount mm. of money that that is generated just the hst off of it let alone the other impacts of spending money in your community but if the hst goes back into the coffers that paid for the infrastructure they right. get the, all their money back within four years um so it's and and i think it's important to know why you know uh wh- where is this money coming from and why are places like pennsylvania and michigan and new york state and quebec for that matter um seeing this as uh a return on investment or, or why are they experiencing a return on investment or such a great uptake mm. and uh, this we tried to explain this to council the other day it's it's because um we're at a pretty unique time the baby boomers are retiring mm. um, they are in a uh they're the largest population cohort um their mortgages are long paid off they mm-hmm. they bought their homes at when the prices were ridiculous they're probably worth 10 times what they originally paid for um the they the rate of pension that they have access to uh you you know uh, their children will not so they're retired with low cost and probably the greatest pension component of any population going so they're spending money easily they're not worried mm-hmm. about it um they're trying they don't want to age like their parents they're trying to stay active um, right so they're you know they they don't want to be doing extreme sports in their 60s and 70s they don't uh so they're riding bikes bikes are easy on their knees they grew up riding bikes they know how to do it um and they don't want to be in traffic uh they don't like hills well that's rail trails it, they go to interesting places they all the rails went through towns so right. uh, if you go through the Caledon Trail um towards uh um Tottenham um at every intersection someone has a business catering to the trail right now there's bakeries ice cream places we joke we say if you ride the Caledon Trailway and hit every business at every intersection you will probably gain more calories than you spend <laughs> um, so it's uh people are seeing this uh and it's funny when you go out to do the um the g to g uh interestingly the mennonites have figured this out and at on at every intersection of a driveway on the trail there is a kiosk put out by the mennonites <laughs> selling all sorts of goods 
uh, you know, from baked goods to soft drinks to just having water. There's one that has a rest stop. They put it on their farm. So it's huh. already beginning. Um, and this is still with a choked down entry in from Guelph. So uh, it's something to see. Something to see. Maybe to wrap up, I, I, I think... You know, we're talking about the economic benefits and one I mean and that's one of the sort of incentive points it's like look at all this money we're missing out on but I think one of the also potential sort of ways we can you know to get this going is to point out that we could lose money like is there anything like g to g like in our surrounding area like could like Waterloo end up eating our lunch on this or could Kitchener or Cambridge or Holton Hills, just you know, are could it theoretically get to the point where you know people will ride the G to G to Silver Creek, and then once they've done that trail, they'll go to another trail, and then we we never see any benefit at all. Like, is is could could, or could we be missing out and lose any yeah. lose these opportunities? Oh, I think we are losing an opportunity, not so much as someone can steal our thunder, as much. I mean, it's. I think we're we're pretty set up for it, but I, I I'm worried. It's always that thing. Um, it's kind of been announced as it's operating and running now. The GGG. There are articles in all sorts of magazines, uh, online, right. everywhere. A lot of people talking about it. A lot of people coming to Guelph and looking for the start and right. can't find it, or they're, right. they're they're parking and starting in Guelph and getting lost. We have some. So, finally, we have the most inadequate. Uh, wayfinding signage that the city took on and put up. It took four years to install. <laughs> it took four years to build the whole rail trail. The city took on the wayfinding signage. It's smaller than a parking sign. It's mm. a joke. Uh, and uh, But it's something because it didn't even exist. But at least we have that. But it's hard to find. So I think to tell some to, to tell the public this is up and running and then have a bad experience right. or a, uh, a less than stellar experience when they start in Guelph, then it puts us behind the eight ball when we do get it going. So every right. year that goes by without a great experience, it it may take that much time to reverse that you know negative message or that inertia of uh, a bad experience for some people. Um, we certainly meet lots of people who like riding the trail. Uh, you have no trouble finding people who will tell you they got lost when they got to Guelph or they had a mm -hmm. real hard time uh, figuring out where to park or, or how to navigate basically from Guelph to the trail system. So mm. um, it's, it's not so much that we're going to lose out to someone else, but we're just losing out to a bad message or a bad experience. It'd be like, opening a restaurant and, you know, just not really having the dining room set up properly and everyone's having a bad experience, it's going to be hard to get people to come back once you get it sorted out. It's going to take a, it take, it, it, give, it makes, it handicaps you and it makes you have to do even harder work later. So that's kind mm -hmm. of where we're at. That's, I mean, that's, that's a powerful point that it's, it, it's good. It's, it's it's up and running it's working it's drawing people and we're, we're almost kind of letting the rest of the trail down by not yeah. holding up our oh, end absolutely uh when uh, i i sit in on meetings regularly with uh representatives from the other uh curators of the other sections and they just uh are beside themselves that we haven't got it done yet and say what's mm -hmm. going on well why haven't you finished this and all i can say is we're trying we're working hard we've been banging our <laughs> heads against the wall and uh yeah it's just not happening so um i mean i think between now and budget time uh the end of august and coming into the fall um we will be pushing this message hard with counselors um staff has heard it and uh hasn't have not taken up the challenge of, of taking it on um now some of those staff don't live in guelph that's a problem some people point out to us uh mm. some of a lot of them aren't active with these sort of amenities they right. don't ride bikes that's another problem right um, so that it's always you know it's always a, a challenge when uh you come up against that and trying to convince them that this is the thing to do um and so is it you know i think you 
we're trying to figure out why why it's not been taking on. Um, I don't know if that's part of it uh, or if they, you know, just don't like this concept or they don't get it. Well, and they certainly don't get it from a point of view of the experience. Right. I, I certainly the counselors that have traversed parts of the G2G get it. Uh, right. And they certainly like it and they get the idea of it. Now, getting them to go and look at other trailways and other uh, rail trails in other jurisdictions uh that's that might not be possible too but i'd love to get them out to have a look because they these are like i said it's not theory this is this is definitely a a real thing and it's working and working well elsewhere yeah well you know i i'm speaking for me it's like you know sometimes you don't see the full breadth of the problem and and how easy coming up with solutions can be until you act until you actually sit down with somebody and you you take in the full breadth of it which is one of the reasons why I do this podcast, but just for now, Lorenz Kalkagno, thank you so much for all your expertise and all your time today. It's been very much appreciated. Yes. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad to uh, be able to uh, answer some questions and hopefully get a good message out there that I think this is for everybody in the city of well. Appreciate well, it. I hope, I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. And once again, that was Lorenz Calcagno. You can learn more about the Guelph to Goderich Rail Trail at their website, g2grailtrail.com. That is G, followed by the number two, plus another G, and railtrail.com. And on that site, you can find the complete map for all 132 kilometers, as well as learn ways that you can get involved as a volunteer if you so choose. And you can also find G2G on social media at G2G Rail Trail at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, plus G2G Rail Trail 84 on YouTube. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time.